Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Baseball America podcast. We're wrapping up game three of the 2023 World Series. Alongside me is Kyle Glazer on location in Arizona. He just took in game three. It was an exciting game, three to one. Uh, The Rangers end up sneaking out the victory, but it was bittersweet as they lose a Dallas Garcia and likely Max Scherzer for the remainder of playoffs. So some major questions as we head here into game four tonight, Kyle. Welcome to the podcast. How was game three? How was the experience? Hey, Jeff. Yeah, it was definitely cool. You know, Chase Field has not had a World Series game since 2001 when it was Bank One Ballpark, as it's still kind of affectionately known around these parts. It's still called the Bob by many locals. It was just really cool. You could tell a lot of fans in the stands had been waiting for a moment like this for a long, long time. Again, we're talking 22 years now. And there was a lot of energy in the park. And I think that's what's cool sometimes is there have been times where I've gone to World Series in cities where I don't want to say you've become accustomed to having a World Series, but you've been to enough sort of that initial kind of first date excitement has worn off a little bit. You know, the energy in the park in Houston 2017 was definitely different than the energy in the park in Houston in 2022. Um, You know, same goes for my experiences in Boston a little bit, you know, covering the 2018 World Series to not have the same energy as some previous World Series in Boston or even just regular season games in Boston. So I think just feeling that kind of that new excitement, that new energy that was in the park last night at Chase Field, it was really, really just a special thing for these fans. And you felt it come up throughout the game. You know, even when the Rangers jumped out to an early lead, um, this crowd didn't get down. They had a few moments, but, you know, every time the D-backs gave them a little bit of hope and they surged, they got loud and, and you felt the excitement. Obviously, the Rangers pulled it out. Again, we've talked about this team's resilience, ability to bounce back all postseason. They did that, came up with some big plays on defense, some big hits offensively, got some big pitching performances. In spite of losing Scherzer and Garcia, as you mentioned, pulled out the win and are in a good spot now. So great atmosphere, good baseball game, and I look forward to diving into it with you. Yeah, and let's dive into the game uh, a little bit and into the series. Um, I know one of the themes here that we're going to discuss sort of to start off is we saw last night some performances, Marcus Simeon with a big hit. We've seen Corey Seager throughout these playoffs with, you know, big moments. John Gray comes in and has been nails in relief, you know, twice already in this series and, and three games. It's really been arguably their most valuable pitcher. When you look at this Rangers team, it's pretty clear that the spending that they've done has truly paid off. So, Kyle, I know this is something that we've talked about throughout the playoffs. So let's let's talk about that a little bit because the stars are showing up for the Rangers so far. Yeah, I mean, look, we talk about it a lot, how you have to spend to win a World Series. Now, not all teams that spend win a World Series, but the teams that do almost always spend. And I thought it was kind of interesting this year. People looked at the Mets and the Padres and their struggles and said, see, spending money doesn't work. It's like, no you still have to spend wisely. It's no different than anything else in life. If you buy, 
a house in a bad part of town that's run down and you invest your money in your cousin's car wash that serves tater tots and throw all your money around on vices, yeah, it's not going to work out too well for you. But if you buy a good piece of property in a booming area, you invest in low fee, successful index mutual funds and invest in education, your investments are probably going to pay off. And it's no different in baseball where you still have to spend your money wisely. And the Rangers did that. You go back to where they were in the fall of 2021. I wrote about this. They've just come off a 60 and 102 season, their worst record since 1973. And the future was not much better than the present. It was their fifth straight losing season. And you go back and look at the Rangers projected 2024 lineup as part of the exercise we do here at Baseball America and going into that 2021 season. I mean, you look at it, it's Sam Huff, Nate Lowe, Justin Foscue, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, Nick Solak. I mean, Willie Calhoun. And the pitching staff was ungodly awful. You looked at that outlook. It was really hard to find five future starting pitchers in this organization you could count on. Dane Dunning projected to be the future number one starter. Cole Wynn, Hans Kraus, Colby Allard, Ronnie Henriquez. I mean, the Rangers did not have the players in their system to be a winning team really any time in the near future. And they went out, they recognized that first and foremost, which is important, and they spent gobs and gobs of money. And it really came to a head December 1st on the same days when they officially signed Corey Seager, Marcus Simeon, and John Gray for a combined $556 million worth of contracts. And again, we talk about spending wisely. They spent it on up-the-middle star players performing at their peak. Marcus Simeon was coming off of uh, a borderline MVP caliber season. Corey Seager was coming off winning World Series and NLCS MVP. You know, and John Gray was a good starting pitcher who needed to get out of Colorado. That initial investment in those three is when the Rangers announced, we are going for it. We're not going to sit around and wait for the guys in our system to magically get better when, frankly, it's just not there, which, you know, Josh Norris and I saw a lot of those teams in Hickory and Down East from 2016, 2017, 2018, 2019, it was clear that these were not the guys that were going to get the Rangers back to a winning record. And they went out and they spent wisely, and we've seen it pay off. The first year, 2022, there were some struggles, but again, Seager's going to be the AL MVP runner-up this year. Simeon led the American League at hits and runs scored. You know, John Gray has given the Rangers two average to above-average seasons in the starting rotation, which... They had not had from virtually anyone for the better part of five years. And in the biggest moment, game three, World Series, series tied one game apiece. They're down their starting pitcher, Max Scherzer, and eventually their ALCS MVP, Adolis Garcia. These were the guys that stepped up. And, you know, again, it goes back to spending money is good. You still have to spend your money wisely. And the Rangers did that going for up the middle stars and a really good starting pitcher. They've since piled on. Again, most of their money has been spent on pitching when you look at the additions of Jacob DeGrom, who obviously got hurt, but you know, trade capital for Max Scherzer and Jordan Montgomery, signing Nate Uvalde. They've spent their money wisely, and that was really, really driven home. This really this entire season, but especially last night, I thought it was pretty poetic that the three guys they signed on the same day as sort of the, the turning point for this franchise were the ones that led them to victory. Yeah, and I think, you know, um, you know, in, in concert with that, when you make good signings and you have, you know, good foundational processes internally, 
you can find a lot of the good players to kind of color in those signings and vice versa. Um, and that's kind of the issue with like a team like the Angels. We haven't seen them do a lot of those things in terms of drafting and developing and signing certain players and the trades that they've gone out and made when they've had an opportunity to do so and haven't been able to sort of build that team around those stars when they have gone out and signed guys like that. And I think that's a big thing with the Rangers. There's so many different processes and sort of in streams that their talents come from whether it's a Dolly's Garcia, who is a guy that was kind of forgotten about and brought in and brought along, or, you know, a Josh Young, who was a first round pick, um, or those signings, um, Leody Tavares, who's a guy who was in the system for a very long time and was an international signing for them. So I just think it's really interesting how this team was built and put together. And then when they did decide to, to spend dollars and bring in players, they brought in really talented players that were able to have all the other glue guys that they had sort of, so to speak, sort of fill in. Um, and it's made, I think it's made this team all the better because they are a well-balanced team in terms of ages and skill sets and all these things. They work really, really well together. And I think we just see that consistently throughout the playoffs. Yeah. And again, it's important to note spending is sort of the first step. You still have to bring in some good homegrown talent, make good trades, timely waiver signings. And they've done that. You look at Nate Lowe and Jonah Heim, who were acquired in trades as, as prospects, or in Nate Lowe's case, a young big leaguer yet to really establish himself. The drafting of Josh Young and Evan Carter, they've done a good job. I mean, Dane Dunning was acquired in a trade. He's been solid. So they've done it all. And, and it just goes back to, again, in terms of spending, it's spending wisely. To use the Angels example, the Angels have thrown their money at corner players in their 30s on the downside of their careers. Albert Pujols, Anthony Rendon, or pitchers who were just okay, but they gave them probably more money than they should have. Whereas the Rangers, they sign guys who are, are true, you know, number one, two, and threes and gave them appropriate amounts of money or appropriate amounts of, of prospect capital. So it's about paying the right price, getting the good players. Again, the Rangers were really, really smart financially. And, and I'll go back to, again, we, we talk so much about spending and, and we see teams like the rays be championed at times the a's when they've been good people get really excited about it but you can't get around the fact that in order to acquire both the stars and depth needed to win a world series which to be clear is the point of all this costs money uh, i've written about this so I'll, I'll go back and repeat it since 1992 the last 30 world series champions 27 of them open the season in the top half of mlb and payroll only one team in the last 30 years has won a World Series, being in the bottom 10 in opening day payroll. That was the Marlins in 2003. Again, spending does not mean you will win a World Series, but the teams that win a World Series almost always spend and spend a lot. And the Rangers did so, and they did so wisely, and they were reaping the rewards of it throughout the season, and it especially shown through in Game 3. Absolutely. Well, let's talk a little bit about the downside of the Rangers going into game four here. Uh, we teased it a little bit in the beginning. I think it's been one of the bigger stories that has been out there since last night. As you mentioned, ALCS, MVP, one of the greatest playoff performances we've seen to date. I, I don't think that's anything too hot going out there and being you know hyperbolic or anything. Uh, Adalis Garcia out for the remainder of the series, they're going to have to replace this guy. That's hard because this has almost been like they're, he's not the same player, but 
he's almost like been like their Jordan Alvarez, where he's been the scariest guy in their lineup. But every time he's up at the plate, you know, with one swing, everything can change. Um, where do they go from here? They also lose Max Scherzer. I would say maybe more of a that felt a little bit like a blessing in disguise. John Gray comes in right when they needed him to come in and he pitched so well. And I think if you saw the compare and contrast between the two, it was like, you'd rather have Gray pitching innings in a big spot. That being said, they still need more arms. They need more starters. They have guys in the taxi squad. Where do they go from here, Kyle? Who do you think is going to get replaced? You're out there on the ground. Any names that you're hearing? I'm assuming Ezekiel Duran uh, when we're going to talk about, you know, replacing Adalas Garcia. What about pitching? They've had some options. They got two lefties and two righties. Who could be the guy that's, uh, that gets added? Yeah. So first and foremost, officially Adolis Garcia and Max Scherzer have not been ruled out yet. We are still waiting for official word. Bruce Bochy managed the post-game press conference last night. Adolis Garcia was going to go for some diagnostics. Scherzer was going to be looked at as well. And they were going to hopefully have an answer in 24 hours. So we should hear official word probably sometime around pregame. But it doesn't look great. You know, Dolis Garcia, the way he swung, the pain he was in, I mean, that looks like a strained oblique, which does not come back quickly. And, and Max Scherzer's back just completely locked up on him with bad back spasms. Um, you know, we'll see what the severity of them were and, and what his outlook is going to be. We should know more here shortly. In terms of replacing Adolis Garcia... You know, the Rangers do have a really good option, Ezekiel Duran, just in the sense that he was very, very good for them this year. And I, I will be interested to see how they kind of realign their outfield a little bit because it's just been steady for them. Duran isn't really a right fielder. He's more of a left side guy. And then we see guys, especially defensively, they can come up short a little bit if, if they're just in the wrong corners, different angles, different reads off the bat. But Evan Carter is is their left fielder, and Leody Tavares is their center fielder. So it's going to be on Duran potentially to to kind of find his rhythm out there and do so quickly. I think it's worth noting too that this is going to be an addition. Ezekiel Duran is not on their World Series roster, so he's going to be coming in kind of cold if he is added and he is the guy, and he is who you would think will be who they turn to. Just given you know Josh Smith's a utility man, but he's more of an infielder. It's a huge loss. There's no two ways around it. But if you're the Rangers, where you take some solace is this is a very, very, very good offense that is very, very, very deep. And at the end of the day, no one player is going to steer them to a World Series, as incredible as Adolis Garcia has been. This is a lineup top to bottom that's very, very, very dangerous. So you really have to hope that Ezekiel Duran can go out and, and come in fairly cold and give the Rangers the help they're looking for. Because again, you know, Travis Jankowski, Robbie Grossman, I mean, they're there, but you feel better about those guys coming in off the bench. And, and that might be who they start, but I would expect Duran to be the guy who gets added to the World Series roster. Yeah, I think that probably makes the most sense. Uh treacherous second half for Duran, but he did have his moments early in the first half where he uh, looked like he was growing into an above average uh, hitter at the plate. So we'll see what he can do if he is the name that gets added. If, you know, unfortunately, and Dallas Garcia is unable to go uh, for the remainder of the playoffs. Uh, I had written about Wyatt Langford, uh, which would be fun. There's no chance that it happens just simply because 
Um, I don't believe he's in the taxi squad. Maybe he is. I don't know. I haven't heard that officially one way or the other, um, but I doubt, I very much doubt that would happen. Um, but it is something that's floated out there. So we did address it on the site today. Um, and as far as Scherzer, how would you handle the pitching staff going forward? Um, how much do you think this impacts who they go to? Um, I don't think either of these teams are especially deep when it comes to starting pitching. There's a likelihood of a bullpen game if this goes seven. Yeah, I, I think the biggest challenge for the Rangers here was going to be piecing together game four because this was already going to be a game where they, they didn't have a great option. And, you know, we've talked about this before. I still don't fully understand why they decided to put Dane Dunning in the bullpen as opposed to line him up for their fourth starter in this postseason when you consider he's just a vastly better pitcher than Andrew Heaney, but they used Andrew Heaney to start in the division series. They used Andrew Heaney to start in the championship series. And now they're going to use Andrew Heaney to start here game four. Uh, they used Dane Dunning in games one and two in relief. So he's not really an option to start. I, I do think that was a strategic error on the part of the Rangers. I think they just overthought it. And I asked Bruce Bochy about it yesterday and he didn't really give an answer. He just kind of was generally saying, you know, we trust Dane, et cetera, et cetera. It just doesn't make any sense why they did it. They're, they're putting a lesser starting pitcher on the mound and going into it, knowing it's going to be a, a piggyback bullpen game type situation when they didn't have to do it. We talk about bullpen games and piggybacks are what you do in the worst case scenario. It should never be your first choice. You know, the Diamondbacks don't have another option. That's why they have to do it. The Rangers had other options. It, it really was kind of a mistake on their part not using Dane Dunning as a traditional starter. That said, they're going to go with Andrew Heaney here in game four, and they're going to try and piece it together. But you fast forward now, if this series goes seven, John Gray probably has to become your game seven starter. You know you're going to get Uvalde and Montgomery in games five and six. And now it probably does become John Gray in game seven. So I, I do think the Rangers, and this is one of the big benefits of this roster, is they have starting pitching options. You look at guys like, again, Dunning's pitched out of the bullpen, Gray's pitched out of the bullpen, Martin Perez is pitched out of the bullpen. They have guys who have starting experience that they can turn to and at the very least get four or five solid innings and, and piece it together if they need. Whereas the D-backs don't have it. So even though Max Scherzer went down, and it's a shame because this was the best he had looked in the postseason, the Rangers are still in an okay spot. I think just piecing it together game four is going to be the trick because Dunning pitched back-to-back -back days, games one and two, you know, travel day yesterday. He, he's had two days off. But again, the bullpen's not his strength, but they're probably going to need innings from him, you know, piggybacking off Andrew Heaney. And I'll be curious to see if they turn to Martin Perez here as well. The D-backs are not a great offense against either side pitching, right-handed or left-handed, but they do struggle more against lefties. So I do wonder if it'll be a lot of Andrew Heaney and Martin Perez tonight. Yeah, I think that probably makes a lot of sense. It's interesting how this is all going to shake out. And, you know, with a 2-1 lead, how it really feels like the Diamondbacks left that game with some momentum, despite really not uh, seizing the opportunity multiple times late in the later innings when they had opportunities to potentially tie the game up, take a lead, at least put a little bit more pressure on the Rangers bullpen. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out over the next couple of days. Uh, before we get into the Diamondback side of things and look ahead to game four, we're going to take a quick break, Kyle. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. 
Don't search match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. What I love about using Indeed is how it does a lot of that organizational work for me. I can sort through candidates. I can respond to them. I can schedule interviews all through Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses, including Baseball America, that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Baseball America. Just go to Indeed.com slash Baseball America right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Baseball America. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medella, the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medella is your reward. Medella, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly, beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, and we are back. Uh, we're going to be talking a little bit of Diamondbacks here uh, after Game 3. Kind of teased it a little bit before the break. Um, Brandon fought. Uh, another bright spot, another good performance. Are we starting to see the Brandon fought that we had anticipated we would see in April? Finally seeing this guy in October? It feels that way, Kyle. Yeah, absolutely. This was one of the best pitching prospects in baseball. We see it over and over and over and over Pitchers take time to acclimate in the majors, even more than hitters do. And there's a long, long, long list of really good pitchers who came up and got their teeth kicked in their first time through and then went on to really good careers. You know, just recently, Tyler Glasnow and Jose Barrios are two prominent examples. Lucas Giolito, again, I know he's fallen off recently, but he still had a good career after looking terrible to begin his career. And we saw it this year. Grayson Rodriguez really, really struggled his first time through, went back down to the minors, worked on some things, and really came back and, and pitched like an ace for the second half of the season. You know, Brandon Fott's another one of these guys. You know, he came up, started this year, uh, I should say, or in the early portion of this year, had a 9.82 ERA in his first six starts, and just nothing was working. The fastball was getting crushed. He had sort of messed with what he was doing deception-wise. In AAA last year, when he was dominant in the Pacific Coast League, he had a glove tap that sort of threw off hitters' timing, and the fastball was getting on guys a lot faster. He kind of dropped that early, went back down to the minors, worked on a few things, 
And he came back up, and it was much, much better the second half of the year. Uh, had a 4.22 ERA after coming back up. And, and really, it was even better um, from August on. And we've seen in the postseason, he's just been the type of pitcher we thought he could be, that mid-rotation starter on a championship-caliber club. Uh, he's had a 3.27 ERA in five starts, and, and even that's inflated by a bad start in the wild-card game against the Brewers, which was his first career postseason start. You could fully understand if he had some nerves there. And I thought last night we really saw the composure. You know, he gave up those three runs in the third inning on the Marcus Semien two-out single and Corey Seager's two-run homer, but held the Rangers scoreless every inning other than that, pitched into the sixth, and, you know, really bounced back from, frankly, some really, really bad calls behind the plate by Alfonso Marquez. Uh, he had two strike threes on Nate Lowe that weren't called. You know, the first one resulted in, in that third inning, but he bounced back from the second one in the fifth inning. I mean, he was getting squeezed. I, I thought he showed a lot of composure, a lot of ability to bounce back, and that's a big part of it. And not to mention the stuff, the fastball was playing, the slider was playing. This is who Brandon Fought is, a guy who doesn't get phased, a guy who has good stuff, and a guy who can take you into the sixth and, and long-term, probably even the seventh inning against good lineups. And it's just nice to see a young pitcher blossoming like this. We knew this was in there, and uh, the rest of the world is seeing it now too. Yeah, and I think it it goes to show something that you know, I constantly bring up when we talk about pitching prospects, and that is kind of got to – most of them kind of sort of got to get their teeth kicked in for the first year, half a year, you know, you almost have to fail in the major leagues to be successful. And I think we see it time and time again, because it shows guys the adjustments and the things that they need to improve that sometimes they get away with in the minor leagues, even in the upper levels, even in double A and triple A against good lineups, you know, these aren't always necessarily experienced hitters, the best in the, of the best. And we're starting to see that with fat. Yeah. You know, I mean, um, uh, yeah. So regardless, uh, numbers have been really good there. Um, pretty excited for, you know, uh, what he may be in the future. This has been a big moment for him. And I think really kind of changed the narrative around his 2023 season. So, yeah, I, I think to just that point, you know, I, I think back to, I remember interviewing Blake Snell in 2016 and you have to remember Blake Snell, who's now about to be a two time slang award winner. He had to go back down to AAA. He was the minor league player of the year, top pitching prospect in baseball, came up. He had to go up and down a few times before he figured it out. And you know, I remember talking to him in 2016, and he was saying, you know, there's no Miguel Cabrera in AAA. You know, that, that it's just a completely different level of player and hitter you have to get used to facing. And you just can't replicate that. It takes time. It takes experience. You know, the guys who come up and shove right away, the, the Jose Fernandez's of the world, you know, rest in peace, those guys are the exception. They're, they're, they should never be the expectation. And, uh, you know, we live in a world where everyone wants everything right away and right now, and that's especially true in baseball. And you just have to give it time sometimes. And, and if you're patient, good things can happen. And, and the D-backs were patient with Brandon Fought. They sent him back down. They let him work on some things. And now they're reaping the rewards. Yeah. I think that's uh, all accurate and been a great watch. Let's look ahead, Kyle, if we may, uh, to game four tonight. You're going to be in the building again. Um, what are the things that you're going to be looking for in particular? What are the big storylines to you here as we look ahead to game four? Yeah, I mean, look, the Diamondbacks have been known as the answer backs the entire postseason. Talk about how they came back against the Brewers in both games uh, of the wild card series. I mean, they completely manhandled the Dodgers in the division series. But again, the Phillies, they went down 2-0 uh, 
went home and, and took two games. And after not looking great in game five, going back to Philly, a place literally no one had won this postseason, they go out and, and win two games in Philadelphia. I mean, this is a team that has shown the ability to bounce back from adversity throughout the postseason. And, and now here they are down two games to one. They have to throw a bullpen game, starting with Joe Mantiply. And then the last time they did this in game four, uh, it, it didn't go great, but they still managed to win the game. Uh, so I, I think for them, it's just, can the answer back strike again? You know, we saw in game three in particular, they were close. They just made a few mistakes. You know, Christian Walker running through a stop sign that was thrown up late, uh, getting thrown out the plate by Adolius Garcia. The Rangers made some great defensive plays. You know, Josh Young uh, barehanding that uh, yeah. that grounder that deflected off Max Scherzer. Mm-hmm. We saw that double play by Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon in the eighth to kind of stymie a rally when Aroldis Chapman was looking really shaky. You know, the D-backs were close yesterday. It wasn't like they got run out of the building. You could tell that they're, they're right there. So yeah. I think it's going to be really, really just kind of interesting to see how they bounce back because this is kind of who they are and who their identity has become. And then we talked about the Rangers pitching plan. You know, what are they going to do? Um, again, just given the, the D-backs general struggles against lefties, I think we're going to see a lot of Andrew Heaney and, and Martin Perez. But, you know, we've talked about Andrew Heaney. He's just limited in his ability. He just is. The Rangers are kind of walking a tightrope throwing him out there. What they're going to get from him is going to be huge. He was not good in CS, and it, it set them back. So I think that's going to be a key to watch here if you can give them even just three solid innings or if you kick it out of the first again and then for the d-backs again a bullpen game is always very very difficult to navigate i think they're in a good place when you consider merrill kelly gave them seven innings in game two brandon fought pitching into the six yesterday this bullpen is fairly rested you know paul seawald kevin ginkle they, they have some good arms at the back that have been really good all postseason Saul frank and thompson have been used a good bit they probably need to sit but they're in an okay spot bullpen-wise. So a bullpen game, again, is never option A. But all things considered, you look at the context around them, the D-backs are in okay position to throw one, just given the, the rest of their top relievers. Yeah, I think those are all great points and uh, things to look for as we go into game four. All right, Kyle, as we always do, we've already gotten our series picks in the in the preview. Okay. Who's your pick for tonight? I mean, I picked the Rangers in five at the outset, so I, I kind of got to stick with it. But, right. but again, this is a, a really good D-backs team. I think this is an opportunity for them to pounce, especially get out to an early lead on Andrew Heaney. So we'll see. Again, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of locked into the Rangers because I picked the Rangers in five, sure. but I would not be surprised if the D-backs came out and, and answered like they have all postseason. And uh, I, I'm going to stick with mine as well. I said D-backs in seven. Tying it up four to four going into game five would certainly set up pretty well for a game seven. So I, uh, I'm going to go with the D backs tonight and I think it'll be another close one. Another great game. Uh, this has been a really fun world series. I think two really evenly matched teams and, uh, could go either way. Really could. Um, for Jeff Ponce, for Kyle Glazer, thanks for tuning in to another baseball America podcast. If you can like subscribe, drop us a comment. It's always helpful. Uh, Looking forward to uh, taking in game four tonight, Kyle. Talk to you tomorrow. Sounds good, Jeff. Looking forward to it.
everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.